did you run today? As we are here at the uh, Just Runners podcast. We're here to talk about all things running and racing on the Youngstown area's first running podcast. Here's your host and Youngstown Marathon Ambassador, Bruce McIntosh and Pico. I knew before the podcast really started and before Just the Running started. So he would be the one who'd say, oh, let's, we could run these miles together. Let's, let's meet here. Let's... I don't think I've ever met a pizza I didn't like. Yeah, the beauty is we have choices, uh, you know, really do the type of race that you want to do, where you want to do one. Not, not everyone has Youngstown on their bucket list to get to go <laughs> Do a run and uh, eat pizza, but it's on my list. Hey, everybody, how's it going? This is your host, Bruce, for the podcast. Uh, let's see her. Got a great guest today. Uh, I'm a little slow at getting this one out, but it was, it's worth the wait. Um, uh, it's Ben Rosario, coach from the Northern. Arizona Elite. That's how you say it. Naz Elite. Um, they just put out a new book. I have it. You can't see it, but uh, run like a pro, even if you're slow, which really applies to me. I really have the slow part now. So I'll be getting him in just a few minutes. And uh, anything else going on right now? Uh, well, if you. Working on an injury here. I guess that's what it is. I guess it's the, uh, hoping it's the sciatic nerve or something with the, something in my hips all screwed up. So we'll see how that goes over the next few days. And on the racing front, um, I've got two races coming up. So March 20th, oh, when was it? Well, the Distance Classics coming up, uh, March 26th. I think that sounds right. And then April 24th is the Canton Hall of Fame Marathon. That's my big race for now. I'm um, already signed up for one more race after that, the um, Columbus Marathon, October 16th. So I'm sure I'll fit a few other little ones in there. Uh, got some things in mind coming up. And, but that's all for now on the racing front. Well, let me get in here. Uh, like to take a moment. I want to let uh, Ben Rosario introduce himself, and we'll get right into that interview now. He, it, he's a great guy and knows a lot about running. And I, he wrote a book with uh, Matt Fitzgerald, and I'll just say Matt's just a great writer. And uh, Ben's there's a lot of great information here for. Uh, uh, from Ben Hart. And here uh, in the book about the Arthur's page, I'll give you, tell you a little bit about Ben. Ben Rosario is the head coach of the Hoka NAZ Elite Professional Distance Running Team in Flagstaff, Arizona. His athletes have finished in the top 10 of Boston, Chicago, New York City, and London marathons, and they have won multiple national titles, including the 2020 Olympic Trials Marathon. Before founding NAZ Elite, he co-owned Big River Running Company, a running specialty 
Stewart in his hometown of St. Louis, Missouri. Ben has co-authored two previous books in Inside a Marathon and Tradition Class Pride. Actually, we went over a lot of that. So, I want to just take a moment and welcome Ben Rosario to the podcast. Ben, can you uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where you came from? How you became a co- uh, Well, we'll get into more detail on that. But, uh, like, what's your favorite pizza? And... Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll go through it all. So, well, my favorite pizza is any pizza. I'm actually having pizza tonight from Fratelli Pizza here in Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, I think we're going to get a pesto cashew. Uh, but, you know, normally a pepperoni is good for me. Um, so, yeah, I'll give you a little bit of my background. I, I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I went to college at uh, Truman State University, a little Division II school in the northeast corner of the state went to the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project and ran for that team, that professional team, for uh, two years, from 03 to 05. Then I moved back to St. Louis, worked for the St. Louis Marathon for one year, and then uh, my friend Matt Helbig and I opened Big River Running Company, a run specialty store in St. Louis. And I co-owned that store from 2006 to 2012. We ended up opening up three locations, and... After that, uh, I was just kind of fried. That The run, run retail business is wonderful, but it's very stressful. And um, I had a one-year-old daughter at the time. So my wife and I and our daughter moved out to Flagstaff, Arizona in 2012 with no plans, really. Uh, did some marketing for a year for an online coaching company. And, and uh, toward the end of that year, started coaching a couple of you know pretty good athletes here in town. I had coached athletes of all ages and abilities, really my whole adult life, even when I was running for the Hansons, I, I coached at a middle school. And when I came back to St. Louis, I coached at my old high school. But but when I had the stores, I coached the youth team, I coached beginners, uh, some sub elites, uh, all, all kinds of levels. And so, um, you know, it wasn't foreign to me to, to coach. And once I started coaching those athletes, my wife and I kind of, that was our light bulb moment, aha moment where we said, oh, okay, this is what this is our next step. We're gonna we're gonna start a professional running team, and, and we treated it like a business. We created a business plan. We we pitched ourselves to all sorts of different companies. We were having a lot of success, which was very helpful. And eventually, in 2015, a year after we launched, we launched in January of 14. Um, we had a few different shoe companies looking at us. I think three different companies which created leverage and leverage is good in business. And uh, eventually we signed with Hoka uh, as our title sponsor in 2015 and we've been with them ever since. And so that's what I do. I'm the head coach and executive director of, of Hoka Northern Arizona Elite. We, we have um, right now 12 athletes. We, we usually have 10 to 15, 10 to 16 athletes on the team at any one time. We've, we've won 10 national titles. We, we, um, We've been to the world championships in cross country and, and uh, the outdoor track championships and in the marathon and, and we've been to the world half champs and of course we uh, we produced the Olympic trials winner in 2020. Alephine Tuliamuk won the Olympic trials um, yeah. marathon in, in 2020 and competed in the Olympic Games in Tokyo this past summer. So that's that's what I do uh, for for my main job. Uh, <laughs> but I also am an author and um, have written three books now and, and most recently. Uh, Run like a pro, even if you're slow. With with Matt Fitzgerald, one of the top running authors in the world, and uh, we co-wrote this book, and it just came out March first. And so I'm I'm uh, doing the podcast rounds promoting that book, um, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been fun. 
Yeah, I actually have it right here with me. Oh, I'm beautiful, beautiful. Still working my way through it. Just, uh, I actually pre-ordered it. I'm a slow reader. I, I'm busy uh, training for a marathon and working full time. But uh, the whole concept of the Run Like a Pro, I've, I've read, I read and listened to the audiobooks on several of Matt's other books. And uh, what did you think when he approached you with the idea originally to come? To well, Matt came out to Flagstaff in 2017 to train with our team and write a, write another book, uh, which he did. Uh, that book is called Running the Dream. And that book was all about his experience as an amateur athlete coming to a professional team, getting coached by a professional coach, training with professional athletes, getting massage therapy from, you know, the, the same massage therapists that work on our athletes, the same chiropractors, the same strength and conditioning coaches that we work with, he worked with. So he got the full treatment for, for about four months as he trained for the Chicago Marathon that fall. And, and in fact, he did set a personal best, a pretty massive personal best at 46 years old in that marathon. So it kind of proved his concept that, hey, even though I'm not as fast as these people, if I train like them, if I do all the little things like them, if I if I take care of myself like they take care of themselves, I can get faster too. And he, he did that, and that that resulted in, in, a, in a PB for him and a, in a great book. Uh, during that four-month period, I'd say only a month or two in, he was having so much fun. And he, he came to me already at that time and said, you know, we need to write a book together about training. You know, that book is more a story. It's, yeah. a, it's a narrative about his, his experience. But even back then in 17, he wanted to do this um, this training book with me, more of a how-to book. And uh, finally, we got around to doing it in 2020 during the pandemic. He and I, that's when we went back and forth and wrote the book. And as you know from reading it, it's... It's really chapter by chapter, topic by topic, topic. Matt taking a, a real scientific approach, explaining the need for pacing, ex explaining the need for good nutrition, explaining the need for recovery, uh, on and on and on. And then I give anecdotal evidence at the end of each chapter, um, sort of, um, you know, backing up his, his uh, scientific claims with, with real world evidence from many, many years of coaching. When you try to get like a well, somebody like me, I guess you could say, uh, that, that's a slow runner, back of the pack, mid or back of the marathon pack, to train like a pro. What, what would you say is the biggest obstacle from that? The biggest obstacle is just convincing you that you can do it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think a lot of the people, and Matt really does a good job of addressing this in the book, a lot of folks think, well, I can't do that because... I can't do that because I'm not fast enough. I can't do that because I'm not talented enough. I can't do that because I don't have enough time. And the lists go on and on. But what Matt does a great job of in the book is explaining that actually you can. You know, you really can. Because so many of the things that they do, you, you are absolutely able to do. Um, getting up and, and getting some activation in before you start your run. You can do that. Um, finishing up your run and, and getting, getting the right type of food and fuel back in your body quickly so that you can recover quickly. You can do that. Um, uh, 
optimizing your sleep, uh, you know, cutting out uh, the last hour of your evening when you're just watching garbage television and, and looking at your phone. You can do that. Uh, all <laughs> these things are possible. And I think I think uh, that's the number one obstacle is just um, just sort of getting over that hump. Uh, and, and getting people to believe that, okay, if I want to get faster, it's not just about running. It's about all the other things, too. And, of course, the book talks a lot about running. And, in fact, Matt does a great job at the end of the book giving um, full plans for 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, ultra marathon. But, uh, but we also talk about the, the little things. And I think, um, I think that's really important. Yeah, I noticed. I like the way you broke it down. You'd go uh, from one topic to the next and... When you wrote it as a team, I'm, was it going back and forth? Or I mean, he's written so many books. Uh, I was just wondering about that process too. How you uh, get together and write? I mean, I've never written a book, so I guess I wouldn't know how that would work with one person, much less two. No, it's a very good question. He, you know, we 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 listed the topics because, as you say, as we've said, it's it's topic by topic. And we, we, we put them in the order in which we wanted to, to lay them out in the book, chapter by chapter. We just took it one chapter at a time. Um, you know, I, I, I wrote my piece and he wrote his piece separately. And, um, and then we would, we would edit each other's chapters and, and make sure that, that there was a good flow uh, from what he was talking about to then what I talked about. And I think we just did it over the course of a few months. And, um, you know, there were some late nights in there uh, editing and, and writing, but, uh, you know, it was pretty smooth. Matt and I are good friends. And, and I, I, really, I really trust him as a, as a writer, first of all. And yeah. then uh, secondly, or, or maybe just as importantly, I, I trust him as a, as a coach. You know, he coaches too. Um, even though I was coaching him uh, when he was here, he, he coaches a lot of athletes um, and, um, and, and he does a great job. And, and, and we have the same philosophies. So it was, it was actually, it was a pretty smooth process, I would say. Yeah, I've always heard coaches shouldn't coach themselves anyway. That's right. That's right. That, well, you know, it's a good point. You know, he, I think a lot of the book... Um, is saying that that very thing that uh, you know you need help with this <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of the point of reading the book right you know it's kind of admitting hey i can't do this all on my own whether it's reading this book or reading this book and being a coach uh, i think that stuff is really important as as is uh, you know finding running buddies and, and partners i don't have a problem finding running buddies that's one thing i got going for me as a coach though uh, do you uh, even if you were going with some new people you pretty much Go the same philosophy with all, everybody, regardless of pace. I mean, yeah. everybody's an individual. Uh, not not, not, well, yes. I, let me let me explain. Yes and no. The same overall philosophy, yes. Um, but that philosophy includes some flexibility, meaning that you know what we're trying to do, or what I'm trying to do as a coach is I'm trying to find the the sweet spot for this particular athlete in terms of mileage in terms of um, intensity, uh, of course, in terms of pace, um, everybody's a little bit different. But, but my overall philosophy, and I think Matt's is too, is that, you know, we need to be, um, we need to maximize the amount that you run in a safe way for you as an individual. We need to make sure you're running easy on your easy days. We, may, we need to make sure your hard days are very structured and very purposeful. Uh, we need to be spending time in a number of different training zones throughout a training segment. 
and we need to be gradually getting fitter throughout the segment so that we're our fittest on race day. That's my overall philosophy. But of course, within that, there, there's a lot of room for flexibility based on individual individual athlete needs. Talking about uh, your elite team, how do you go about picking the elite athletes for that? I was just curious about that. Well, it's a, it's a process that, uh, you know, it's sort of a three-way or there's there's three entities involved in that. You know, the athlete themselves and, and their agents or their team, you know, is, is scouting for what, what group might be best for them. You know, as, a, as an organization, NAZ Elite, we're, we're scouting for what athletes are, are best for our group. And, and that needs to be a fit. You know, the, the, the group needs to be the right fit for a particular athlete and a particular athlete needs to be the right fit for our group. And some of the some of the things that we're looking for is, you know, a team player. We, 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 we're very much a team and we believe that we make each other better. So if there's a lone wolf out there that likes to train by themselves and thinks, um, you know, they, they, um, they garner confidence from, from solo training runs, solo long runs, solo workouts, that's okay. That's great. That's just probably not a fit for us. Um, you know, and, and I think when an athlete is looking for us, you know, they're, they're looking for, probably athletes that are that are similar to them you know physiologically similar and, and like to train at altitude and and like to do a lot of aerobic uh, strength type training uh, that's what we do and and uh, you know i think we're going to expand and uh, down the road but for right now that's that's been our bread and butter um so you're looking for like-minded individuals physiologically similar individuals uh, that are looking for that team culture and then the third entity of course is hoka our sponsor because um you know, ultimately, we're all getting paid by Hoka, and uh, you know they want to make sure that the athletes that are coming on our team are going to be good brand ambassadors for them, and are going to be positive role models for fans of running across the globe. Yeah, I was just curious about how how do you get a team together like that? Of all those individual athletes, that you know, once the race starts, I mean, well, you still you're still team. But it is uh, racing for the most part is an individual sport. And you've been very successful though with uh, your picking. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. You know, uh, you know, you you do race uh, to finish as high as you can on a personal level. Uh, but every other day, you're running with the team and you're making each other better. And uh, you know, one of the good examples from our group was the Olympic trials on the women's side when we went first, sixth, and eighth. You know, and Alphine crossed the line first. And, and she turned around, and, and then Steph finished sixth, and then Kellen finished eighth, and they got together in the American flag and hugged each other, and they were crying, and you know Steph and Kellen were, were crying tears of joy for Alphine because she won, and Alphine was crying tears of sadness for those two because they didn't make it, and, and uh, that's what a team's all about, and, and I yeah. think they, they finished higher than they would have uh, if they had been training alone. Yeah, I definitely agree with the group training concept is uh, to have somebody out there to share the miles with and the pains and uh, well, the joy of going. And one thing I did notice in the training plans, maybe I, this might be slower. Do you on the long runs? And I've been hearing different co people talking about the concept of the twenty-mile long run. Is it might be a thing of the past, or depend? I mean, it depends on the individual, of course, but. Uh, Oh, I don't think the 20 mile long run is a thing of the past by any means. Um, you know, it just depends on who you are and what you're preparing for and what you, what your training history is. Um, 
you know, for for a professional athlete that runs 100 miles a week, not all of them do, by the way, but but for one that does, you know, that's that's pretty normal for them to run 20 miles almost every weekend. Um, for for uh, an athlete of any ability that's running 40 or 50 miles a week um, and not training for a marathon. Um, only wants to run a half, they, they might never do a 20 miler. But if, if they're running 50 miles a week, 60 miles a week, and they want to do a marathon, they, they may very well do at least one or two 20 milers in their training, um, especially if it's their second or third marathon. Uh, you know, it just, it just depends. But I think, um, I, I think the, one of the things we talk about in the book a lot is that if you're running your easy runs, at a truly easy pace for you relative to who you are and relative to your ability. Um, you can probably run more miles than you think. And Matt's talked about that in a lot of interviews that, uh, you know, he actually ran more mileage when he was here in Flagstaff at, at 7,000 feet than he had in 10 years. Uh, but because we slowed him down, not only on his easy runs, but also his hard workouts were really structured and a lot slower actually than he was doing back home but we were able to get more volume so whereas he might have done you know eight times 1k back home at, at 10k pace we were slowing him down to half marathon pace or even slower but doing 15 times a k and 15 times a k sounds really hard but if you think about it it's nine miles of work at a pace that you could run for 13 or more miles straight that's not that crazy, but it was more work and it got him more prepared and better prepared for the marathon distance. And I think that's why he said that big PB, um, you know, the, book, the, 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 the training plans that are in the book, yeah. of course, those are generic plans, you know, they're, they're, they're very basic, uh, but they give you an idea of what's possible. And of course, some people will do a little more, some people will do a, a little bit less, but I think Matt does a great job in the book of writing those, those plans and giving you an idea of, basically seeing what all the little um, nuggets that we share throughout the book might look like uh, all put together in, in, in one training segment. Yeah, I just took a look at them. I didn't go in too in-depth into them. Uh, I was noticing, that's why about the long runs, it seems like I'm seeing more and more plans where they um, are getting away from just like having a huge 20-miler. Uh, these might be some lower mileage plans. Uh, uh, then went and well, the, the one thing uh, I was wondering for, you know for a lot of people that are working 40 50 hours at a regular job compared to the pros that's I mean there's no way they can do 100 mile weeks but um, what is the question uh, you know how just fitting in like 40 miles some weeks can be a real challenge, especially, you know, you might be working extra and stuff. That's the one area, how would you, you know, in the book and stuff, uh, how would you say about handling things like that compared to you? Well, that, that's, I mean, we talk more about that than we talk about the mileage, you know? <laughs> we, we, we talk about real life things in the book, you know? And, and um, one of the chapters is actually about, um, the mental game and, and 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 another chapter is about you know making sure that you stay stress-free or as stress-free as possible make running fun um running should be a fun part of your day um and and even though you take it very seriously uh, as do the pros uh even even the pros find find ways to make sure that they have life outside of running and um 
you know, I, I think in some ways, in a weird way, people who work 45, 40, 50 hours a week, as you say, at, at a quote unquote normal job, uh, they're, at a, they're at an advantage in some ways uh, over the pros because running is definitely the most fun part of their day. Oh, or yeah. It should be. Um, and, and I think the pros, because it's their job, sometimes it can get a little bit uh, monotonous and, and difficult and stressful. Um, but, you know, I, I, um, I think as we talk about in the book, it's about maximizing the time you do have and spending the time you do have if you want to get better um doing the little things that are necessary to stay healthy and stay as fit as you possibly can um understanding that the mileage is only one part of that and um you know i I think comprehensively once you get through the entire book hopefully one of the takeaways for people is that oh okay yeah like i said at the top running's not enough i need to do more than that and uh and and that will keep me healthy and that will you know that will put me in a position to succeed yeah because there's a few things i was taking away from it that yeah i need to make these changes maybe improve my nutrition a little bit and do a little bit more of the rehab type work my foot my foot was bothering me because I normally run about 25 miles a week. Now we've been training for Canton Hall of Fame Marathon in April, and I've been trying to up my mileage, and my foot started bothering me. And it's basically tight calf muscles. So, but so, and I've been trying to stretch and foam roll a lot more, and it seems to be working. But like I said, I mean that's just little things like that that seem to get pushed to the side. Right, a lot of I've noticed a lot of people don't mind going out to do an extra mile, but Try to get them to do a warm up or dynamic warm up and stuff. They don't want to. <laughs> That's exactly right. And and if you if you can stay on top of that stuff when you are feeling good, then hopefully it won't ever come to that point. The other mistake people wait, make is they they wait until they feel something to do these kind of things, and it's almost too late at that point. You should be doing that beforehand so that it doesn't happen in the first place. Well. What? Maybe I kind of already asked about when you're dealing with a, you know, the regular amateur athlete trying to get. What would you say? Is there a big hurdle to get them? Well, you already said it about the one thing, but uh, it seems like most of them are gung ho about running the miles. Most people I know, but yeah, I, I'm. It's the other things that I What's sit thinking. The biggest hurdle. What are the biggest hurdles? Um, yeah, I, I think I think in my experience and and i and i worked with all kinds of athletes especially during my years at the running store um you know i I think i think and you know again this is the whole point of the book is that we're not that different (laughs) pros and amateurs i i think a lot of it is just putting too much stress on ourselves you know um i think all of us no matter what our ability level is we care very deeply about running as fast as we can we have goals we have time goals uh we have you know some people want to qualify for boston some people want to uh win their age group at their local road race whatever the goal may be it means a lot to us and when something means a lot to us sometimes it can overwhelm us and i think that understanding how to um, approach running from the mental side and be healthy about it, uh, and and um, you know make sure that you're in a good headspace when it comes to your running. That's really really important. I, I think actually, you know, I would answer that question the same way uh, about pros. Uh, you know, being 
being on top of your mental game and making sure that you're healthy mentally is really important. And I think amateurs struggle with that. And I think pros struggle with that too, because it means so much to us. And sometimes it overwhelms us and we just have to step back and sometimes take the, take the advice that we would probably give our best friend. Um, we know what to say, uh, but, but we got to do it. You know, as a coach, uh, how long have you been coaching again? Well, in one way or another, for, for 20 years, uh, you know, when I went to the Hanson's team and it, when I was, well, 23 years old, I suppose I'm 42 now, so 19 years, um, I, I coached at a middle school there. And, I, and ever since I've coached in one in one form or another, um, eight-year-olds to 80-year-olds, really, truly. Uh, but, I've, but I've been coaching the Northern Arizona elite team since January of 2014. So this is our ninth year. And, um, you know, got lots of stories, some of which I share in the book. Yeah, you got to have a lot of good ones. Uh, my f one friend sent me a quest question when I told him I was going to be interviewing you. Uh, it, what, do you mind if I send this one out to you? It was a little more in-depth coaching. Have at it, yeah. Because he, he's a big uh, hill runner guy. He, he brags about how much elevation he does. And you want to know how do you incorporate elevation in your training and kind of like how do, do you relate it to the mileage that they're putting in yeah it's it's a big vert uh, your weekly vert is really big in the ultra marathon world it, it's not as big of a data point in in the road racing and track world however um what what i would say is over the years we have been very um, studious about the courses that we're preparing for and so if we are preparing for a hilly marathon, we absolutely do our best to incorporate courses, particularly on our hardest workouts, that simulate the elevation loss and gain uh, that we're going to face in the, in the upcoming marathon. We did a great job of that in uh, preparing for Atlanta, the Olympic trials, which was a course that was constantly hilly, never flat. And so we tried uh, on our workouts to be constantly running up and down and never flat. Um, I did look at the elevation gains on that course mile by mile, and I did uh, try to mimic those elevation gains and losses on our, on our workouts. Uh, same thing with the Boston Marathon. We have Stephanie Bruce and Kellen Taylor running the Boston Marathon coming up here in April, and uh, we, we have picked out a course or a couple of courses actually in Flagstaff that we believe simulate the, the elevation losses and gains that, that they'll face in Boston. So we, um, we try to copycat whatever we're preparing for. That's how we uh, handle elevation gain and loss. He also asked, when it comes to tapering for elevation and mileage, do you, if you're training for a run, uh, race with hills, do you taper the elevation down? Yeah, that's another good question. Uh, I would say yes, actually. I, I don't feel the need, or I have not felt the need over the last two weeks, if we're getting ready for a hilly marathon, to do a bunch of hilly routes the last two weeks. I think we've already calloused our legs at that point for the downs and for the ups. We've done a ton of work uh, on those uh, you know, courses that I described where we're mimicking the, the race course. And so over the last two weeks, it's not like we purposefully try to be as flat as possible, but we also don't seek out hills either. We just kind of do our normal thing uh, in terms of our routes. We don't, we don't, um, we don't do anything uh, 
vastly different than, than we would for a flat race uh, those last two weeks. And you said you got Stephanie Bruce and oh, Kellen Taylor Kellen yep. going to Boston. That's and right. This is, uh, if I saw right, this is Stephanie's last year as a pro. Yes, that's right. So Stephanie is 38 years old and she has decided this will be her last year. She did find out last fall that she has a congenital heart defect. It's okay. The doctors have given her the, the 100% green light to continue to train and race, but it did, it did, you know, uh, force her to evaluate where she is and what she wants to do moving forward. And she has a lot of entrepreneurial business type goals and she also has family goals. Um, so it makes total sense to me that, that this would be her final year and she's doing a great job. She's finished fifth at us cross country, uh, in January. Then she won the rock and roll Arizona half marathon. Uh, this past weekend she ran her second or no, I guess third fastest 10,000 meter ever on the track. And next weekend she'll be doing the New York city half marathon and then Boston marathon a month later. So she's, uh, she's racing a lot and, and we're enjoying yeah. it. Sounds like, uh, sounds like she's having a great year. <laughs> She is. She is. Yeah, she always does. I mean, she's had a wonderful career. Are there any uh, coaching stories you, you share here? Oh, just a, a, a random coaching story? Well, I, I think the, the, the thing about coaching uh, is that you are so invested emotionally in, in these athletes. <clears throat> so you, you feel their highs and you feel their lows. And the lows are tough. Uh, really tough, but the highs make it all all the uh, they they make they make everything worth it. Uh, you know, sometimes coaching and sports in general, it's what have you done for me lately? And so one of the, one of the stories of of this year that that comes to mind because it's just so recent is uh, a woman on our team named Alice Wright, who's from Great Britain, and uh, she was the absolute stud in the NCAA, runner-up um, at the NCAA championships, uh, many-time All-American. And so she came to our team with a lot of hype and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of expectation, both both her own expectation and, and uh, you know, fans of hers expected a lot, a lot of her. Uh, but unfortunately, she had a lot of injuries. And uh, she actually spent two full years without doing even one single race, two years, no racing. She ran during those two years at different times, but then she would get injured. A race was coming up. We had to pull out. We had to withdraw, all those things. And it wasn't until this fall that she finally had a healthy stretch of training and uh, was going to run the Valencia Marathon in December, <laughs> but got uh, sick. I actually had an allergic reaction oh. a week of the race. We had to withdraw. So it's like, oh, my gosh, not again. And, and so we reset and decided to do the Houston Marathon in January. And she got to the line and she was healthy. And she just ran this amazing race, super even splits. I was able to get a bike in Houston and rent a bike and, and go to all the different spots. And I kept seeing her and she was just on, 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 on. And then late in the race, she moved into third place. And uh, I shouted at her with a, a mile or so to go. You can get second because I saw that she was making up ground. And sure enough, at the at the line, she ended up getting second place at the Houston Marathon and ran two twenty nine, which was uh, a great time for a debut. And it was the World Championship standard, and um, you know it was one of the fastest, one of the ten fastest uh, British debuts of all time. And she was just so happy, and it just made me happy as a coach to see someone who had struggled 
for those two years, so many struggles. It, it was so great to see that hard work and belief in herself and belief in our program. It, it, was, it was so gratifying to see that uh, in her face uh, after the finish. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that one. I have many like that, but that's just a recent one. Yeah, that Houston Marathon had some really great performances out of the women in, down there. Kira uh, mm -hmm. D'Amato winning it. And, I'm sorry. Yeah, American, it, American record. Yeah, American record in the yeah, marathon. American record in the half, half marathon, Sarah Hall. It was a wonderful day. It was classic Houston Marathon. Nice, cool weather, flat course. Um, it was an awesome day to be a part of. Yeah, that set off, the, I mean, that kind of set the year for a high standard. But do, do you do much running yourself? Do you do anything? I mean, you're... Oh, I get asked that a lot. Uh, not not like I used to, you know. Uh, when you coach, you feel so invested in the athletes, and you just need your energy for them, you know. And um, maybe that's a cop-out. Maybe I should be running more. I think there's weeks when I get out there three, four times a week, and there's weeks when I get out there one or two times a week. Um but if I go too many days in a row without a run, I do feel kind of lethargic. And so I get I get my butt out the door and, and go for a run or, or get on the elliptical and, uh, or go to the gym. You know, I, I think I've certainly found that even though I don't love running myself individually like I once did, and it doesn't have that same uh, priority in my life as it once did, I do really understand the need for exercise and i understand the need for your body to move <laughs> uh, it's really really important i feel much better and i do a better job i'm a better coach when i'm taking care of myself again is that running every day not necessarily but i think for any of us uh getting out and moving every day is is vital to our health and wellness absolutely because I come up with a lot of great ideas while I'm running. It's just remembering once I get stopped and have a chance to write them down. I know we need a notepad out there. I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> and I'm sorry, my dog's in here. And oh, that's okay. We, we, allow, we allow dogs on, on podcasts. And he just kind of comes in and out as we go. <laughs> and... He, he does all the editing, so it'll make you sound better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, anything else? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey. All right. <laughs> no, no, nothing else on my end. I, I appreciate you having me on. Oh. I, uh, I appreciate you letting me uh, plug the book. Uh, oh. Run Like a Pro, Even If You're Slow. It's available anywhere books are sold. Uh, you know, it was uh, wonderful working with Matt Fitzgerald, and it's been cool to go on podcasts and talk about the book. We're very proud of it, and I think it's off to a really good start, selling very well in the running community um, worldwide. So we're, we're we're super happy with it. Well, I really like the book. Uh, I'd say that about many of Matt Fitzgerald's books. Uh, what were your other books? I'm sorry, you froze up for one minute. What was that last question? Oh, I was to say I really love the book, and I've enjoyed many of other, Matt's other books. You said you've done three books? Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, this is 
to my third book. So my first book is called Tradition Class Pride. It's about how to build a cross-country uh, team in high school. Um, so it's very niche. Uh, it's for really high school cross-country coaches. Um, and then my second book is called Inside a Marathon, which I co-wrote with Scott Fauble, one of my former athletes. And that was uh, basically a, a training diary, um, a, a look inside the coach's mind and the athlete's mind as you prepare for a marathon. And that, that led up to his New York City Marathon, where he got uh, seventh place. And then there's a extra chapter about him getting uh, seventh place at Boston the next the next year. Um, so that was my second book. Those were both self-published. And then this is... Um, this is my third book, uh, and this is the first one published uh, through Earth. I should say this is the first one where we went with a publisher, Penguin Random House, and they've been wonderful. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on to talk about Run Like a Pro and other coaching uh, tidbits. Uh, I, I hope you had much fun uh, get a, got as much out of writing the book as I think people can get out. Uh, to help them in their running and realize all the different ways that we can run just like a pro. Uh, I mean, a lot, some of these habits might just take me a little while to incorporate uh, into my try daily them. lifestyle. <laughs> try them. Yeah, try them. Well, thank you, Bruce. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks. All right.